On the state of NFTR this week, I am joined by Sean. He is the co-founder of MetaCollect. And some of you from the good old Terra NFT community know MetaCollect through the Crunks. They are moving on to Polygon One Planet as the uh, common theme we've seen throughout the series. A lot of projects have been doing the same. They're also involved with the Mungs NFT, uh, Finny, Underground, which is all on a various chains. And then they also have a gallery in Australia, the MetaCollect Gallery, which is an in-person uh, permanent IRL NFT gallery, which we'll have to speak a little bit about. But Sean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. And before we start getting into everything that you guys are doing, which is a lot, um, do you mind just quickly giving a background on yourself? How you got into crypto? How you got into NFTs? You know, there's definitely an, an art an art inspiration that I see from, from our, our pre-call conversation. So just give me the story of how you got into the space. Yeah, sure. So I guess I sort of got into community building before I got into crypto. Um, I was like DJing in high school and college and graduated from college, wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I launched, um, um, it was like a electronic music, like curation blog, um, and sort of grew that it was called the fresh beat and and it had a it had a really good run basically up until the time i discovered crypto in like late 2015 i needed bitcoin for some like gray area streaming service and i bought my first bitcoin i think bitcoin was like 400 bucks back then and right after i bought it the price started started going up and i'm like <laughs> okay what is this uh Luckily, I had a I had a friend, a, a good friend from high school who was um, he's like a professional online poker player. And he started taking half his winnings in Bitcoin off off the advice of someone else. He had already sort of fallen down the rabbit hole, but sort of took me under his wing in like, I don't know, from like 2000. 16 to 2019 i was just you know absorbing information just learning uh i i fell into the the eos the eos community um mm -hmm. back in the day you know crypto's a lot different than it is now uh you know there, there's always tribalism but but back then the conversation surrounded things like governance civil resistance like that we we discussed those like core crypto concepts like late at night with our with our community and in, in telegram um and and you know it took me a while but i i finally decided i want to have a voice um and i started writing there was a eos community publication called eos writer where anyone in the community could could write for it they publish you and you know while a lot of the you know major crypto publications coindesk coin telegraph were sort of outsiders looking into the community and only really writing about price action uh the, this publication was like inside the community um and that's where I met Kenny, the the co-founder of of MetaCollect, and pretty much everything we've done uh, since. And so we sort of we hit it off, and and we wanted to expand outside of EOS. Uh, if if this community publication worked for EOS, why couldn't it work for all of crypto? Um, so we sort of had this idea to build a community driven publishing platform and our beta was going to start with crypto and that's where crypto writer was born um we were just about to have a, a funding round we worked on the idea for like a year and mm -hmm. uh covid happened we we weren't sure there was a bunch of uncertainty but uh it just so happened that um block one the company behind eos they were launching this new publishing platform crypto driven publishing platform called voice uh voice.com it was one of the most expensive domain name purchases ever i think 30 million dollars ridiculously <laughs> stupid um <laughs> so anyways our our pitch for crypto writer got in front of uh the ceo of voice.com and he said rather than launch your own publishing platform why don't you bring crypto writer to voice.com and the idea is that 
over the course of a couple years, the it was like a tokenized uh, sort of curation social media platform, but focused on on publishing. And basically, through the use of this voice token, you elevate content, and the the content creators get rewarded. The sort of community like owners get rewarded. And, and that was the big idea. And, and they contracted us to do this. We, we recruited like 40 writers and, and sold them on this grand vision. And what happened was all of our writers, because we were sort of playing editor and, and doing this whole publication thing, they were writing about NFTs, right? This is before board eight, this is, you wow. know, in the early days and, and you started hearing about Axie, infinity, all these different things. And, and we were like, Hmm, well, NFTs seem like this pretty awesome, like marketing reward mechanism, community builder. So we started planning, um, how we could drive engagement to crypto writer on voice.com and sort of game the whole token thing through using NFTs. And the idea was um, we were we wanted a brand mascot, uh, um, some sort of character that was like facing crypto for the first time and, you know, running into the same issues we all ran into when we faced crypto for the first time, all this noise and, and people trying to scam you and all these things. And we'd sort of tell, you know, like uh, provide education through this character. And that character ended up being Finny, this uh, golden android from another planet who who lands on Earth. And there's this uh, evil villain, uh, Peter Shift was his name. And, and <laughs> he took a liking to Finny because Finny nice. was made out of gold. And he tried to sort of pull him down this dark path and basically get all his gold and sell him on scale, all this stuff. Anyways, um, right when we were about to launch Finney and Finney's story, uh, voice came to us and said, hey, we no longer need your services because we are pivoting to become an NFT platform. So um, we sort of like we had a few months more runway, but we we lost all our funding and we're like, what are we going to do? So so we went ahead and we launched Finney on EOS Wax and we launched Crypto Finney. It was really ahead of its time. It was um, it was like a, a randomly generated project, but with gamification where where you could do these upgrades and basically these things called Finney coins, these little gold rotating NFTs. You burn the coin, you get your Finney. Finney's come in like five different metals. They're all unique. And then you have to burn uh, metals of the same type to upgrade. And then if you upgrade to the top, you get rewarded with, with drops. And we were... Uh, looking back, I wish we would have done it on Ethereum <laughs> because mm. it was so it was so early and it, it was ahead of its time. But that being said, um, these Finny coins, it was a free distribution uh, and we had like 5000 EOS, 5000 on wax. We started throwing them out there and the community rallied behind it. And the, the cost of a Finny coin went from like zero to 250 bucks and, and people were memeing them. And we saw, you know, it, it, it was an awesome time uh, and it allowed us to continue to pay our writers and to keep our crypto writer dream alive because we paid them in Finny coins, which were worth 250 bucks or 150 bucks. So right. per article, we were paying in Finny coins and sort of saved our company and sort of bought us enough time to, to figure it out. And, um, you know, from there a lot of our EOS sort of fizzled out for, for a number of reasons. We, we don't have to go into that, but um, a lot of like our, our little alpha EOS groups, they were, they've been talking about, about Terra for, for a long time. Like I wasn't paying too much attention to it, but they were just talking about Terra, talking about Terra. What and year is I, this? 2017, 2018? This is, so Oh God. I, it was, it was early. I can't, I can't remember. I went back, I looked in telegram once and saw the exact date. The first person, uh, our buddy red first mentioned Tara, but uh, I mean, th they were getting in like 
40 cents you know wow so this is this is so this is like when luna just launched yeah 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 um and and again another benefit to having like uh one of these alpha telegram groups that had sort of we'd sort of seen it all with eos we'd seen the rise the excitement we'd seen the fall we'd 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 seen every little experiment in crypto and they were onto it like they were on a terra really early again kenny and i our focus was on finney all these other things so we weren't you know we weren't paying that much attention but you you keep you keep seeing it mentioned over and over and then it became an obsession where the obsession used to be eos now it had fully converted to terra and i said hey let us know when there are nfts on terra because because we want to be early and and sure enough like right when um right when the the galactic punks came online mm-hmm. um boom we were ready we were there and i think the crunks ended up being the the maybe six project to mint on random earth now if i had to do it all over again <laughs> you know you learn i feel like in crypto you all the lessons are sort of learned the hard way you know um it, it was a wild experience because we put out like a crunk teaser in like within one week we had 10,000 in our discord for crunch and and then wow. by week two we were up to 15,000 so in our minds it was like okay a, a 10k supply seems right right there was there's so much demand but a lot of the people there were expecting the same success that those earlier projects had right where mm-hmm when we finally did launch it was like okay this supply is too high um (laughs) another thing that handcuffed us was we didn't realize that we wouldn't that random earth would hold custody of our contract like we didn't realize we couldn't get our own crunks contract and do what we wanted to do with that with it um we also didn't realize well there's always a shortage of of good devs, but we didn't realize how hard it would be to find the right people that could pull off the things we wanted to pull off. Like we have awesome Solidity devs, awesome C++ devs. So we have EOS, Wax, Ethereum covered, but then, you know, we're looking for Rust devs and, yeah. and that was, that was really tough. So Sadly, we we weren't really able to accomplish what we want to accomplish, but with this sort of migration of Polygon, it puts us in a a much better position. Um, just because we have we have the dev talent, we can we can do stuff on on EVM. That's so, an amazing yeah. over yeah, that's an amazing <laughs> overview you just gave there. And I'll try to break it down into sections, but like you, you covered and and nailed a lot of the points that I wanted to ask you about. And one of the really interesting things, well, actually, before I get into that, uh, your, your, your dance blog back in the day, that was like the heydays of SoundCloud. So that that must've been a very intuitive experience and and definitely probably a a very fulfilling one. Cause I mean, that is like when SoundCloud was, was really hopping off. So they had, um, maybe you remember this they had like these soundcloud when we when we like launched the blog we had it run in maybe a year this was this had to be like 2009 2008 2009 but i i remember like we saw this other blog they had this soundcloud drop box they had this little like chunky icon on their blog where you could click it and you could basically send your music to it. And we're like, Oh, that that's amazing. We want that for our blog. But at the time, SoundCloud was invite only. So Mm. there were only like, if you got invited, you had, I don't know, two other invites. So we had, I remember like reaching out to people to finally get like our, our SoundCloud invite. So yeah, that, that was the early day. What made the fresh beat, different than the a lot of the other blogs is we gave away all the the full quality tracks for free so we download them we'd find them out there we download them we'd we'd re-upload them to zippy share with our with our logo whatever and so you're thinking as an artist uh like why would i like this this blog that's giving away the full quality you know, but at the time, um, 
you know, the, the D the, the production software and stuff like everyone wanted to be an electronic music producer and everyone could be an electronic music producer in their basement, in their bedroom. So it almost became like a, a survival of the fittest. It was about getting your track to as many people as possible. And this is sort of the parallel to the, the NFT space at the moment. There's all these people minting NFTs, all these artists, um, but there's not enough curation, right? Mm. So it was blogs like the Fresh Beat, and there were so many others that were taking the time to filter through all this music and then sort of elevate what they felt was the quality content to curate it. And what we learned is there were blogs that would only use SoundCloud, just they'd, they'd embed the SoundCloud player. And sure, people would listen and whatever, whereas our blog gave everything away for free. And what happened was our blog became so popular that when your music got posted in our blog and you tweet or whatever, like um, our community went out there and, and promoted it, right? They went and they played it in their, their local gigs or their clubs, whatnot. And it got to the point where many of these producers were just like emailing us tracks, the full quality and just saying, just don't tell our label, like, please post it. Don't tell our label because the response from the community was, was huge. And I, I remember watching DJs sort of like that, that we were posting in the early days sort of rise, you know, and, and become, you know, famous or semi-famous. Hmm. Yeah, I always joke that I was born about eight years too late because I went through college and the whole EDM craze is basically dead by then. I went, when I went through high school, I was also <laughs> that bedroom producer. And once again, it was just totally dead. I mean, it's not dead, but it was just didn't have the same craze and the same mainstream attention that does today, which, is, you know, I was always, always like, I wonder what it was like to go to college back in 2008, 2012. It must have been wild. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. Well, so living, that, that, living in living in Miami was it, it was like I said, I, gra I I went to Florida State and and then when I graduated, moved back to Miami and like the the scene was was really going off back then i don't it's not quite the same but but i see what you mean i don't think i would have been able to pay attention to anything <laughs> i would have yeah. been i would have been uh i would have having some fun though um but anyways yeah that, that's that's a really cool parallel and an interesting story there but also just the entire perspective that you you guys are bringing to the nft world because like for example me personally i i'm crypto class of 2020 or so right right around covid was my big introduction um but always going back and listening to stories of the guys who were involved with blockchains like eos and who were doing the very early work with nfts and seeing those those trials and tribulations about what it was in the early days i mean it was very pioneering because as you mentioned you used to have a very select amount of people doing this thing now you have uh, a saturation of content and now you really have to find ways to stand out um definitely definitely a, a broad perspective and i do speaking of perspective i do want to start moving a bit into your experience over the last five months or so and that is with the crunk specifically and dealing with the terror crash because we all have our stories of the terror <laughs> crash um you guys so i mean you guys were og og lunatics i mean you were you were in the luna game on the launch it sounds like or at least you're aware of it which is far more than a large majority of the people who came into Luna and Terra because it just it was a very recent phenomenon unless you were in there at 40 50 cents where it struggled for about two years like with Terra and, and, and dealing with the crash and just that whole journey went on yeah so again it, it was it was a roller coaster thankfully having come from EOS right a, a place where you know is the largest ICO I think in in blockchain history block one raised four billion they had promised a, a billion to put back in development through vc funding grants and stuff and it never came to fruition i think in part because when they raised that much money the the target uh the regulators had a a target on their yeah. back so they couldn't do maybe what they would have done if they had just raised a hundred million but we had seen um uh, ecosystem in EOS with like some of the top developers, like incredible, incredible, like you were, you, we were watching EOS take Ethereum market share and like thinking this was the next big thing. And, and then for, for some of the reasons I underline, uh, just a second ago, it sort of all fizzled out, like community couldn't find funding, um, 
you know, you had the bull, I mean, the bear market right. uh, and and just sort of like uh, an extended period of like stagnant time. I mean, maybe EOS was a little ahead of its time, maybe a little too early, because as we know, in crypto, like timing <laughs> plays a, a, a big factor. Um, so we having been through all that, the rise, the fall, uh, you know, we were Kenny and I were very optimistic about Terra, but cautiously optimistic about Terra and people within the ecosystem, other people we respected, you know, they told us, hey, this is how it's going to end, right? Um, <laughs> the, the deflation or inflationary spiral, this is, this is how it's going to end. It could take years, it could take whatever, but if it ends, this is how it's going to end. We proceeded with a little bit more caution, I'd say, than a lot of the other people in the ecosystem where it was their first, like their first love, right? Tara was their first love. And at times it was sort of blind love. And, you know, there's always risk to, uh, you learn. And, th and that's one of those lessons you learn the hard way. In crypto, there there's no sure bets. Like there's no sure bets. Every... There's always sort of a, a tail end risk to everything, and we sort of we sort of knew that. So when when um, UST first depegged, okay, this is after we we had seen, you know, we we sold out 10k. Um, we we were pretty good. We we you know it, it was hard not to have a big chunk of money in anchor because why wouldn't you? But we we were a bit diversified. Mm -hmm. um, but when UST first depegged, or not the first time it depegged, when it depegged before the crash, right? We immediately moved all our money to the exchange. But in our mind, we thought, "Hey, ninety-eight cents, it'll come back." So Kenny, I know, wakes up the next morning and having not sold, and is like, "Oh shit!" Uh, and you just sort of hop into damage control, and that was a that was a wild few days. I. You know, I'm happy to say that I think we were one of the few projects that did get out, maybe not as early as we'd like, but early enough where, where we saved, a, you know, we, we were able to sort of save our company. Sure, we lost a, a lot of runway that we thought we expected to have, but we were able to um, manage it, I think, better than most. And I think the reason why is because we had been through the roller coaster mm -hmm before so where you know we knew we knew things could fail at that point and and we sort of tried to mitigate the the circumstances and and we're able to get out in in fairly good position and you know here we are uh you know i feel like with with we had that conversation with one planet you know a, a couple months ago and it's super exciting to see, you know, what Polygon Studios, how they sort of seize the opportunity, right? Because Polygon, they have NFTs, they have volume with their NFTs, but they lack that that community, that community that Terra had, which which was unreal. Um, so it's sort of cool to see Polygon Studios like try to get ahead of the game, step in there. They, they swooped up one planet and they got a legitimate plan together to try to, you know, help a lot of these terror projects out and, and give them a new start. And, you know, for us, that's awesome because like I, like I was telling you earlier, there were a lot of things we wanted to do on Terra that, for, I give you a bunch of excuses why they didn't happen. Um, but now we get a second chance to deliver on some of those promises. And we're a lot better equipped to do that now on uh, uh, EVM chain. I was going to say your ups and downs and experiences of the past. I mean, you've seen, I had been involved with maybe low cap stocks in the past, but never before had I seen this something as large and that it grew as fast as Terra go down faster than it went i mean just breathtakingly <laughs> fast three days and it was done there, there's I mean, nothing it, there i mean i'm i think i'm over the disbelief now but for <laughs> you know like all our 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 whole circle and i know i know 
we all know people that lost like massive amounts of money right. in in this crash um but there is not i mean i it back in i don't know 2016 2017 whenever bitconnect the ponzi <laughs> went down that was sort of like newsworthy and like a big sort of commercial brand within crypto that 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 crashed uh you know say what you want about bitconnect but a, a good ponzi it was a good it was a good ponzi it was a good ponzi because it it created a lot of new crypto adopters right a lot of people got into crypto because their friend said, Hey, <laughs> this BitConnect over here, hey, here we make one percent a day come into crypto and they get into BitConnect and they start digging around. And you know, I'm sure many people when BitConnect crashed, they just quit. They're like, fuck this, I'm never doing crypto again. But I'm sure a lot of those people who were able to survive that, um, they they sort of stayed, right? And they're still here today. And um, outside of BitConnect, I cannot, it's the terror crash is unbelievable. I'd say it's the the biggest collapse all time that I've been a part of in crypto. Maybe maybe not BitConnect not being a good Ponzi per se, but there was a silver <laughs> yeah. lining there. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a better way to put it's it. Good... <laughs> but you, only, anyways, no. you know, I only put yeah. like a hundred bucks in, so. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> But still, I mean, you ha you've seen it happen. You've seen these things happen before. So you had a bit more in the back of your head, like, yeah, this happens. I mean, things break all the time in, in Web three, crypto, whatever, digital assets. And so you had you had a little bit of that preparation plan. I'm curious, as a, as a community, then, what were you saying to crunk holders? How are you communicating to people? Everyone seems to have had their own style during this, and there was really no correct way to do it. But I'm curious to hear what what was your your big feedback to the community and and how you you brought them forward with new plans and how you're going to continue on right around the time of um of the terror crash uh we have been planning um we sort of did it as like a little side project uh because people after terror crash right the market turned <laughs> and people were becoming more desperate so kenny and i were always like we're looking mm. for opportunities you know i've always been mostly fascinated with like community dynamics um and how these crypto communities can like really drive things and and market themselves and also how they can all just unravel and and things that cause them unravel so Kenny, one morning, I, I get a Telegram message and he sends me. I, do you know who BitLord is? Mm -hmm. Okay, the sure Australian. Did. He's a character. He's a, a crypto OG. Um, he burned and, his house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jokingly. <laughs> And, and there at the time, right? So, so people are sort of turning more desperate. So, when people turn more desperate, like when they're losing money, rather than like, okay, let me let me be more cautious, <laughs> they go and they look for any moonshot to try to to try to make the money back. So mm. at the time, we saw this like meme coin sort of trend coming up, and I don't know if you know anything about meme coins, but basically the way they work <laughs> is there's an anonymous dev that is looking for little signals in all the noise um something having to do with with culture or some elon tweet mm -hmm. something and all of a sudden they're just copy and pasting these erc20 contracts and and launching meme coins and you know 99.99999 percent of them are just sort of like rug pulls and and they pump and then they blow up and and whatever and usually for a brief shining moment you get like a 50x before it all explodes are you telling but, me squid token was a rug pull come on <laughs> but this this uh this congressman brad sherman who who was in, always been sort of anti-crypto um there was this clip that that hit twitter of him talking about crypto and he's like and ethereum will displace bitcoin and <laughs> cobra coin will displace ethereum and what will mongoose coin do to crypto next <laughs> something like that 
and so Bitlord t- tweets this video of himself, how he heard that, and he was just waiting for this mongoose coin to to show up. <laughs> and sure enough, it showed up, and it starts blowing up. And and so Kenny sends me this, and we're just laughing about it. Well. I go into the mongoose community, into the Telegram, and it was like nothing I've <laughs> ever seen. It was out of fucking control. And and so we we message our artist, John Trafford. He's our pixel artist. He's like, he's awesome. And we're like, hey, just throw out a, a mongoose concept and and see what he comes up with. So he he threw one out and we were like, oh my God, this is it. Um we were anonymous team for this project for a while or for the time being we were anonymous. We're worried that if we pull our community into this um, and then it blows up, well, Hey, you know, we expected it to blow up, but we're like, Hey, what would it be to have a meme coin tied to an NFT? Right. We want to provide these mongs that, that the mongoose community could identify with. So, Long story short, uh, we we sort of partnered with this anonymous shady dev team. They they gave us their blessing to launch Mong's NFT. Bitlord got behind it. Six nine six nine. It sold out in in seventeen minutes. Um, I have the no- is in session. Yeah, I had the notifications, and a lot of these people, it was their first time buying an NFT. Wow. Right? They they gotten into meme coin like. So like if crypto's penny stocks, meme coins are like peso stocks, I don't recommend them. <laughs> Anyways, long uh, another longer story short, after about a week and we saw vol- we did like 500 ETH volume the first week and you see the floor price like just rising and there's sales every 2 minutes and it's it's like pretty wild ride. And then Bitlord, I guess he wanted to launch a, a mongoose energy drink and wanted $3 million to do it. And when the dev wouldn't give him the $3 million, he blew the whole thing up. And the whole thing came crashing down and it divided the community. And the community, the NFT community, they're like, hey, you're you're the only ones that actually really delivered anything. Like we're siding with you. They wanted us to launch mongoose version two. But at that point, we sort of had this, um, you know, we we sort of had to look at ourselves in the mirror as a company and say, hey, we've got a project on Wax and EOS. We've got the Crunks uh, on Terra. We've got the Mongs over here on ETH. How can we sort of pull everything together? Like, I, so we were anonymous with the Mongs. We came out of the closet, right? We had to we had to have a hard talk with our communities as to yeah. why we were anonymous for this project. And you know that that stuff's not easy to navigate. But you just sort of you're just honest with them and tell them, well, <laughs> you know, we we were worried that this wouldn't go well. We had no idea it would you know sell out in 17 minutes. Um, so the original sorry to interrupt the original devs. When they rug pulled, they just have a huge distribution of the mongoose token. No, so what happens is they they um, they put a tax in the contract. Uh, so every time you buy or sell your mongoose coin, the tax goes to a marketing wallet. the The dev who holds the keys then takes some of that marketing wallet and redistributes it to add liquidity or to to put to these people whatnot to help manage the community but in the end when you're dealing with an anonymous dev one person holding the keys to this contract right there's there's no accountability so they're gonna milk this thing like i i honestly think i you know i'd only talk to the dev on telegram uh to sort of arrange this hey like to sort of explain to him why Mong's NFT would help unify the community even more. Um, but I honestly think they don't expect it to take off. You know, mm-hmm. Mo- Mong's NF- Mongoose coin went to 150 million market cap in a few weeks. And then once it took off like that, they the the dev actually want to see it succeed and, and grow bigger so they start throwing out more money sort of growing their team but in the end there's no accountability so at any point and they can just uh disappear to the maldives and 
you know, there, there's 9 million in the, in the marketing wallet. Um, and then you'll see like tornado cash, uh, you know, that, that's usually where the money exits. They They did their thing. Yeah. So what was crazy about, um, about mongoose coin and that community is you had this amazing, like they were so charged up because it's meme coin community. So what do they do? They meme, right? And what do memes do? They, they start reaching a bunch of people and people start pouring in um, and it starts growing and growing and growing. But when BitLord sort of, when he didn't get his energy drink money and he sort of blew the thing out, up and started calling out the dev, et cetera, then it all crumbled really quickly. Why? Because the foundation isn't built on transparency and trust. It's built on the shoulders of an anonymous dev. So yeah. that it all just sort of completely collapsed and there was divide between the community. But again, what we, you know, our integrity said, okay, we need to take ownership of our NFT project and we need to somehow pull this awesome community that supported the NFTs, supported us and believed in us into our other communities. But here, like I said, we have communities all over the place. So how do you tie everything together? And that's when Kenny and I sort of did some soul searching and we said, we need a brand that an all encompassing brand, um, MetaCollect, we're going to launch the collect token. Uh, it's going to be not just a, a bullshit utility. We want to bring it like meaningful utility, not just like, a, you know, the, the typical cliches of uh, mint a project, airdrop, do a game, you right. know, like, no, we, we want to make a token that that's meaningful um, and, and provides our community something and, and, and do something innovative. So we, we went back to drawing board. We had uh, underground our, our NFT art brand and publication. We were already developing the, the underground marketplace. We wanted to bring in the token and tie it to the marketplace and attach it to the gallery, all these places. So our, our, our crunks community, um, we've, since we've always been sort of chain agnostic, um, they, they sort of know that we're not, we're a little different, right? We're not this, you know, one chain wins all mentality, one project. We want to find ways to drive adoption to as many people as possible. Um, coming from our publication days is all about educating of different, like what makes crypto awesome in my mind, at least is not, just focusing on one chain, even though I did it for a while, it's exploring all different chains because there's cool communities everywhere doing cool, innovative stuff, right? So for us, it's like the the collective, meta collect, uh, our communities, our friends, and go explore art on Tezos, right? Because they have a killer art scene. And then come over here to Polygon and see what they're cooking up, right? And then obviously a lot of network effects and innovation comes from Ethereum, but how how is it different on a, a, a layer two that's feeless and, and you know, wax is mm-hmm. like digital collectibles and stuff and, and play to earn games. That's a whole new sort of NFT scene over there. So our community has always sort of been forced to be open-minded um, for better or for worse, because I think a lot of them would love to see us just focus on one thing. But, you know, Kenny and my goal is to just build something innovative and awesome and something that has a meaningful impact on the crypto space. And the NFT project sort of... Um, you know, they're, they're how you raise funds and they're how you sort of unify your community. Uh, and then now we're at the phase where, okay, we, we've been in development for months now. We're about to come to, about to launch a bunch of different products. And we wanted to build something that then returns some of the value back to the holders. So it's a super roundabout way of getting there, but but we're we're almost there. That's amazing, and I, I do want to actually have it, give you a chance to then speak a little bit about the real life integration that you're doing with MetaCollect, and that is your gallery in Australia. Do you mind just giving the overview of what that is? Has it launched, et cetera, et cetera? The details currently going on with it. Yeah. So, um, 
we we underground is our our nft art brand in in publication and soon to launch marketplace um it's killer feature it's gonna have um it's gonna have this gamified community curation using the collect token the collect token that all our nfts will eventually earn we had to create this sort of hybrid token so it's like a in-game virtual token that when you withdraw it from our collect earn platform it mints you erc20 that you can then go trade mm -hmm. and the reason why we had to build the hybrid token is because we have projects on different chains and we want them to be able to all stake their nfts earn collect tokens and use those tokens to help curate our, our marketplace uh so for months, you know, in, in order, in our mind, we couldn't just launch a NFT art marketplace and expect it to succeed. We had to put in the legwork to build the underground brand in the community surrounding that. I got to give a shout out to NFT Joe because he's the, he's the managing editor of the publication and it's like top notch. It's, it's, there's probably not that many NFT art publications out there, but it is, it's the best. It has underground membership card, which which gets you um, weekly drops from the artists we feature. The whole concept, the underground is basically you've got so many awesome artists out there that no one's shining a light on them. No one's elevating them and giving them attention and underground sort of acts as this like curation publication. Anyways, when we started you know, planning for underground and got that up and running. Uh, Kenny had this awesome idea. He said, Hey, I, I, if we're doing a NFT art publication in a NFT art marketplace, we need to have an NFT art gallery. Um, so, uh, he went ahead and, and he found a spot. So, you know, I'm, I'm in Miami. Obviously, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't have an Aussie accent yet. Um, and I don't, <laughs> love traveling great distances i'm sure i'll get out to the gallery at some the point. other side of the world yeah but uh it, the the gallery is located in the the sunny coast uh right outside of brisbane um kenny look for this in area this sort of up and coming areas almost like uh, uh some developers were sort of transforming it into this tech hub so you can imagine uh sort of industrial looking in a sense, but there's like things like uh, breweries and and little restaurants nice. popping up and stuff, and yeah. and there's this little art scene thing going on. It's 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 how a lot of neighborhoods I feel like transform. Uh, so he found a spot there and 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 signed the lease. Uh, we we partner with Token Frames to get all our our digital displays. Um, but we wanted to make it look like a traditional art gallery, but for NFT artwork. Mm. So everything's super clean, polished floors. Um, everything's like perfectly spaced to, to the millimeter. It's got a great vibe. And then upstairs, um, there, there's like a loft area where we can fit like eight desks. So that's like sort of meta collect headquarters. And, um, people come in and out. The idea is to sort of um, host events. We've been hosting multiple meetups, but also gallery events. People can come in, rent out the space and through token frame and the, and the token frame app and something we're working on, you can even share those displays with people on the other side of the world. We have a uh, uh, a projector, a big screen in one mm. section. So we can do meetups both virtually and in person and, and stream people in there. Um, but it's officially the very first permanent NFT gallery in all of Australia. We wanted to be first and, and we were so happy about that. And it got, it got a bunch of news coverage recently uh another awesome side effect is the fact that there's people that you you connect with online and and people various people from other projects and whatnot that you connect with through telegram discord twitter well when you actually build something in the the tangible world you start connecting with a whole different 
group of people, right? Mm -hmm. um, people that, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know your experience. I'm sure you've had some of it, but building relationships and, and partnerships and, and getting things done uh, in the crypto space can be difficult because everything is done via chat and it's like there's always trust issues and and there's always things to navigate and time zones and stuff like that yeah. but when you go plant your flag somewhere with something like the gallery this whole different uh audience sort of comes out of the woodwork to check it out and you start you know there's a whole different type of handshake going on there and right the you know, and, and crypto's relentlessly evolving and ideas, you know, our, our goal was sort of, you know, our, our feeling like the next phase of the NFT space is going to be this, this bridging from web three to the real world. And we want to sort of plant our, our flag in the ground. We did that. And now the, the types of connections we're making, it's sort of open, open new doors for us. And, and that's been really, really cool to see. So it's, it's just getting going. Um, but we're, we're really excited about what we've built. And I think the, the potential just to have that sort of hub, a, a cool space, uh, where ideas can be shared and, and business can be done. And, and also people can bring their kids and you can go check out, uh, Calvin or, or board ape or some of the gutter cats or the mongs, uh, token frame is, um, they they are adding the ability to to cast polygon nfts so you know we can have crunks meetups and and do all those things too pretty soon but uh super excited about it yeah it's unbelievable it's a great idea to have that as your hybrid office and nft museum space it's just yeah a, i wish i got a, i wish i got to experience it <laughs> right yeah i mean <laughs> i got the guest bedroom here which is which is nice it's quiet at right. times uh, the kids are close, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little, I'm a little jealous. A little jealous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gonna have to have like a a four week retreat retreat to the office. Yeah, no, I I I know. It's like, um, Kenny's like, hey, you you should come out. I'm like, okay, I gotta plan it, but it's it's gonna take a lot of planning. I'm probably gonna bring the whole family, and and yeah. we're gonna make a a summer trip because 26 out whatever it takes is not um. <laughs> Yeah, that is it's one, not easy one heck of a yeah. flight <laughs> yeah. no that's that's so cool though and if i ever do make it out to brisbane i, I definitely want to come check out the nft uh, museum or gallery and see what's going on there i mean that that is really innovative so creative and the first in australia that that's also incredibly impressive and i'm yeah, sure there's I, people people just walking around reading about this thing just like what and then they go check it out and they'll be mind blown by it yeah i mean the thing like also, the idea is that, you know, we're, we haven't hosted like an official art show. We've had mostly mm -hmm. our NFTs up there. Um, but when we do an art show like Kenny, the plan is, hey, we're going to feature four different underground artists, um, give them 30 minutes a piece and, you know, talk about we can stream them in. They can talk about their art, whatnot. But in a traditional gallery space, you can't just like swap out the the paintings or the, or the art that easily and, and have artists, you know, streamed in from anywhere in the world. So I, I think people are just starting to sort of grasp, you know, the, the new models that can be used in this sort of hmm. dynamic, uh, art space. Um, but you know, you, you keep hearing, we keep hearing, we're pretty tapped into, uh, the galleries and and you know you see them popping up London different place LA different places all the major cities I think will have them pretty soon and then you'll you'll see them start spreading uh, I think for for uh, if if you live in a cool little neighborhood um, and a sort of growing little neighborhood and you threw one of these in here also uh, sort of split the space maybe it could act as like a we work type thing too and people could mm -hmm. rent out office space and then have the gallery space like i think i think the business model will work right people think it's cool to to be able to attract other creative interested you know curious people and and talk to them and and pick their brain so 
yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely you'll definitely see more of them. But it's like a it's like a Web three inspired WeWork. It's it's a yeah, really cool yeah. idea though, and there's so much potential with what you could do with that. So a lot of yeah. creativity. I look forward to seeing. Sean, I have one more question for you today, and this is more of a this is more of a fun fact question. This is how people can get to know you a little bit outside of just crypto. To ask this to all of our guests who come on the podcast, uh, the question I have for you today is: If you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, shit, <laughs> I know this can be tough if you're doing it right off the cuff. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible uh, with these. <laughs> one food for the rest of my life, like type of food. So it can be it can be like an American cuisine, Italian. I I, I think I'm going tacos. Just tacos. Just tacos. You don't, you don't even do like Mexican inspired. <laughs> They'll definitely be, you know, the tacos will have various. I mean, I got, I'm a, I'm a hot sauce guy. So it's got to right, have hot go. sauce. It's got to have some cilantro, the onion. And, and maybe we, we mix up the, you know, fish carne asada. We, we mix up the protein a bit, but you can do a lot with tacos, right? You can you make do a them lot interesting. with tacos. That's right. You could do uh you could do Italian tacos and spaghetti tacos. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I eat Italian maybe three times a year. And I love it. <laughs> I love it, but I'm not like, I'm not a heavy Italian eater. You got two fun facts today, everyone. You get what type of food he would like to eat for the rest of his life and the type of food he would not like to eat for the rest of his life. Yeah. But uh, that's everything I have for you today, Sean. I really appreciate your time and, I mean, all of the amazing information you've put out, all of the collections that you guys have done, and just the per- really the veteran perspective that you bring to the table, I think, is something that is always valuable to hear. Uh, where should I send listeners to learn more about MetaCollect? I think just MetaCollect.com. I think that's the easiest place from there. It'll take you to the token and the gallery and the other projects. And that's the spot. And are you on Twitter or anywhere people can go follow you? Yeah. um, You follow me on Twitter at too legit crypto. I'm I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm always, uh, always available to chat. If you have an idea, we'd love to hear it. That sounds good. So I'll have all the links down in the show notes, whether you are listening or watching this episode. Sean, thank you again for your time. Really enjoyed this conversation. I know that's funny you mentioned the Mongs NFT because I was uh, I was joining some of those mongrous calls back on Twitter Spaces. Oh, were you? And it, I was. I was. I was never a part of the mongrous, but I was always found it a little funny. But now it's finally clicking to me. Like, oh, it's these guys. It hit me. It was like I like I memory hold that part of my life. Hey, don't just, confuse us. Don't confuse us with the uh, coin team, but different we, people. We were the, yeah, but the uh, before you go, the mongoose, really cool. Like once that popped up, Rep Mongers and Rep Ryan, he just decided to start doing Twitter Spaces and, and calling it Mongers, and it was just someone in the community <laughs> that steps up to the plate. Every community needs that, right? You need people oh, to yeah. just step up and and do things on their own right um it goes a long way really cool that's funny that you were you were in on those it's all it's all just flooded back (laughs) to my mind now i'm starting to remember those dark days of post-terra sean (laughs) thank you again